0: Welcome to the Lancaster Patriot Podcast. My name is Chris Hume, and I'm the managing editor of the Lancaster Patriot, a newspaper and media company serving Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and beyond. I'm joined today by Joel Saint, pastor of Independence, Reformed Bible Church, and Executive Director of the Mid-Atlantic Reformation Society. Thanks for joining me again, Joel. Hey,
1: great to be here again.
0: All right, well, today is our back to school episode. Uh, before we get into that, a brief word from one of our advertisers here. Honeybrook Hardware. Get your yard and home ready for fall and winter during Honeybrook Hardware. Customer Appreciation Days, September 16th and 17th. There's going to be free coffee and donuts until noon on both days. And then as far as some of the deals, you got 5% off fall power tools and equipment, 10% off all other items in the store. Buy one, get one for $1 chainsaw chains all week long, September 12th through 17th. So it's going to be a fun weekend of community with fresh-made food available for purchase and an on-site community yard sale, which yard sales are one of your favorite things. They are. So go to Honeybrook Hardware. They're at 5004 Horseshoe Pike in Honeybrook, your local family-owned hardware store. So check them out. I'm going to have to make it down there myself. All right. Well, we have a a special episode today uh, talking about education. All right. So let me start here by providing a bit of an overview of some things before we really delve delve into this. So for those of you who don't know, in July, the Pennsylvania General Assembly approved the 2022-23 state budget, a 45.2 billion, it's a billion with a B spending plan that increases a lot of things, but increases education spending by more than one billion, the largest jump in state history. But is it going to increase education? Uh, Well, that remains to be seen. I think we'll be able to talk about that. Uh, Now, this is from, now, of course, you have these Republican representatives, senators sending out their newsletters and lauding this as a great investment. This one's from State Rep. Jim Cox's email newsletter, and he serves parts of Berks and Lancaster counties, and and he says, this year's budget sets a record-high investment, like how they put it, this is an investment, right? A record-high investment, and pre-K through 12 education of $15 billion. All right, so that's the overall budget for education for one year in one state, $15 billion. We increased basic education funding by $525 million to $7.08 billion, including a $225 million level-up initiative that provides additional funding to the poorest 100 school districts. Special education funding is up by 100 million to 1.3 billion dollars. End quote. So, 15 billion dollars. Now, this is just state money that we're talking about at this point. We also have local taxation, and we'll talk about that in a minute. So, here's here's an estimated breakdown. According to CommonwealthFoundation.org, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania spends a lot of money per student in the government school system. Uh, At the state level, their number is. Seven thousand dollars. All right. Seven thousand dollars, which actually seems a bit low. I think that was from last year. If you take the 15 billion dollars and divide it by the one point seven million students that are in the government school system, you get about eight thousand eight hundred dollars per child per year. Now, this is just state taxation. I want to pause here for a second and talk about this. Now, Joel, you have homeschooled nine kids, right? Mm hmm. Can you imagine uh, the amount of private tutoring, field trips, specialized instruction, music, you name it, all these things you could have provided if you had an extra $79,000 per year for your
1: homeschool budget? I could do some educating. You certainly could. I could do some tutoring. I'd mean, There'd be all kinds of foreign languages. I, it's unimaginable what I could do with that. So... This is just state funding, and the point is this. The government system,
0: as always, is the most inefficient and disastrous use of resources. If, if we gave a, a parent $79,000 to homeschool their kids in one year, that's in a, a ridiculous amount of money. And yet that's only part of the funding.
1: Do you mean $7,900 or $79,000?
0: 79, $79,000, because it's... For your nine kids. For nine, okay. For God, your oh, my nine word. kids. Yeah, if you yeah. had you had $80,000 each yeah. year for your homeschool budget, yeah. you know, assuming your nine kids were all in school yeah. at the yeah. same yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now that's just state, fun- state money. So let's, there's also the local funding, which is even more. It's around $9,000 per student. And then, of course, there's the federal component where you have federal monies, which is about five, six percent of funding per child is federal money. So in the state, you have all this money going to, you know, educate the children. And overall, the estimate is that the state of Pennsylvania, when you take local, state, and federal monies, spend more than $18,000 per student in the government school system per year. How much? $18,000 per, per student, student per year. Per student per year. Now, if I had $18,000 per year to spread among all five of my kids, just, just $18,000 for all five, the resources and experience and tutoring and field trips would be off the charts. Let alone if I had $18,000 per child, that would be almost $100,000 for one year of my homeschooling budget. I think it would be pretty easy to uh, see. I wouldn't have to worry too much about looking for the sales on the homeschool books there. Now, again, this is a staggering amount of money, right? And with it comes staggering amounts of incompetence, right? Now, there's some great people in the government schools, but the system as a whole is a joke. $15 billion in state money alone, and what do we have as a result? Now, all this money, of course, is not revenue that the government creates by providing a service or good. It's the money, it comes via forced taxation or federally printed money, which debases the currency and is basically theft from us all. Now, one more thing here. Locally, the school district of Lancaster, okay, the school district of Lancaster received an increase in funding of $6.9 million for the upcoming school year from the state budget. Now, there was a press release a statement from the acting superintendent. I'm going to say his name wrong here, but it's Matthew Priswara. So this is the superintendent, the acting superintendent of Lancaster School District, and he, and he, he released a statement, and he's lamenting the lack of funding his school district had received in the past, and he wants to, and he thanks Democrats and Republicans for giving them an increase of nearly $7 million. He said, quote, this is a necessary investment in education in the Commonwealth, end quote. Now, so that's always what it is, isn't it? Oh, we, we just need more money to solve the educational problems. Is it ever anything else? It's always give us more money and we'll solve this problem. And then at the end of his press release, he, he finally says this. He says, finally, we are mindful of our disproportionately high tax burden, though it is not too late to revisit tax rates in this fiscal year. Our taxpayers deserve relief from rising property taxes. Pennsylvania residents should not have to choose between affordable housing and quality education. Our community deserves both." End quote. Well, you can't have it both ways, right? You can't ask for all this money. Give us millions and millions of dollars so that we can educate your children and then say, well, uh, you know, we, we're going to cut taxes too. So you can't have that both ways. And and finally, one more thing here, just to give us some context, property tax increases have occurred in all but two of Lancaster County school districts. Warwick and Columbia Borough school districts were the only two that didn't raise their property taxes. Every other school district has increased their property taxes in addition to the increased funding from the state for their government education. Now all this, right, and more, in the name of public government education. Now, what is going on here, and how should we think about this? And that's what we're going to do today. Now, could we with ink the ocean fill and where the skies of parchment made? I don't think we could uh, point out all the problems with the government education system, but we must try, and we'll try to do it uh, in, in somewhat of a timely fashion here today. But I know there, there's so much that, that could be said. So where do we start with this, Joel? Um, How do we begin to address this issue? I mean, let's start out by maybe just talking about what is education? I mean, what is this that we're talking about here? And how should we view the importance of educating our children? And then maybe we can start getting
1: to some of these things here. Well, that's where I would want to start out for sure. And we know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. I would want to ask a question. What, what good is, quote, unquote, education anyway? I want to g- give an example. Uh, this happened to me years ago. Um, I was talking to a young man who was a member of a school board, and I believe it was the one in the, su- the, the, the southernmost uh, school board, uh, Solanco School District. And um, he said he, just loves be- he was on the school board. He said he just loves being involved in education. And I asked him, I said, so what is education? Define for me education. And it was kind of weird. He, he stopped, and it's like he hadn't thought of that before. And as I recall the conversation was years ago, we never really did get to a definition of education. Education at its most basic part is understanding how to love God and how to love one's neighbor. If I don't know how to do that, I'm not educated no matter how many degrees that I actually have. And so we're all involved in, in handing out degrees, you know, and, you know, you must know something, you have this degree. And it's really cool to have those DDO or whatever after your name. And all kind of, but, but what does that actually tell you about what you know? So I was going to get into this later, might as well do it now. So I had this uh, prof in Bible college, right? And he, was, uh, he, 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 was, he had been a, a college president. He had two doctorate degrees. He had one in history, as I recall, and one in math, which is kind of unusual. You know, to, to have both of those. But he was a really bright guy. And uh, he and I actually became friends even after I graduated. Um, and, and, and he, <laughs> a couple stories about him, I'll just, I'll just tell this one. He proposed one day in class that um, a high school diploma be given out along with birth certificates. In other words, when the child's born, give them both. He said, because every, we, we all know he says, well, birth certificate. Hey, you're born. Mm-hmm. He says the high school diploma, who knows what that even means? Or do you even know how to read? Who, we do not know what, you know, we know you have the piece of paper. We don't know what, you know, mm-hmm. he says, so just get it out of the way and th- then teach them something that actually matters. Right. And I, you know what? I, I really can't argue with them. I would say that if you ask this, this, uh, pr- uh, principal, what education is, or what are you actually trying to do? What do these kids actually have to know? I think you, quite frankly, get a, a, a really fuzzy answer. Do they, do they have to know what they need to know in order to enjoy life? Uh, do they have to do it, know what they know in order to get a good job? Well, some people get good jobs and hate their job, and they hate their lives. You're going um, go to have people that go to these schools. Suicide is becoming a bigger thing. Now, why is this not talked about? when we're talking about education budgets, we're increasing your education. But we saw students killing themselves. What is up with that? I think I know. We've left the fear of the Lord, the very beginning of wisdom and the beginning of knowledge and what's happening in schools now is definitely not that. In fact, that's the one thing, think about it, Chris. The one thing that's not allowed in our quote unquote public schools is the fear of the Lord. It's not allowed. So we have this huge behemoth of, you know, brick buildings. And I, I can't help but notice when the schools build a building, it's made out of brick. When you and I build a house, all we get is a stick built in siding. We don't get bricks because we're supporting their bricks. <laughs> that, that's, that's what's going on. I can't help but notice. So you've got these big brick buildings. And is education really happening? We know that it's actually not. We have bureaucrats, and we have money, and we have facilities, but the fear of the Lord, completely absent. So what we know that what's happening there is not good, but actually actually bad, in the name of the next generation. It's pretty bad. You said
0: education is to teach us how to love God and love neighbor, and that this brings in this religious component, if you will. I want to talk about that because the argument is made that Well, the government school system, the public school system, is is non-religious. It's neutral. It's neutral, right? But but not us. us. No no religion here. (laughs) But you're absolutely right. When you when you look at biblically, what is what is the purpose of education? It is to love God, right? Deuteronomy chapter six: You shall teach your children diligently. You know all these commands, uh, because life exists in order that we would glorify God, right? Love Him and love neighbor. But the, this, and all education is inescapably religious, right? And, and Rush Dooney, of course... Sure, it's sure. teaching right from wrong, right? Right from wrong, yes. Um, and That would be the re- department of religion. <laughs> right. And, you know, Christian schools are considered to be religious and non-neutral, okay? You have your religion over there, but then the humanistic sk- state schools, they're seen as neutral, okay? Mm-hmm. This is, we are not teaching religion here. Uh, we are, we're just teaching what? I don't know. So, but Rush pointed out something very interesting. And of course, he wasn't the first one that would recognize this, but the way he applied it, we, we recognize that, maybe just expand on that before I get into this, what Rush had to say about this. If someone says to you, well, no, the government school system is not religious. Um, they're not teaching a religious worldview.
1: Well, how would you respond to that? Yeah. Um, well, you use the term worldview. And so that is going to be your your lens or your filter through which you see the world. And you cannot live without making judgments. <laughs> you, 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 and you make judgments based on a moral code at some point. Well, Where does that moral code come from? It comes from a religious commitment. Even if you want to use a very general term for religion, calling it the ultram- ultimate ground of concern, as some have, an ultimate ground of concern. And, and talking about religion, religion is oftentimes for some people, that area which they just believe, but they can't really defend. And they'll say things like, you, all religions are equal. Well, then, then all, if all religions are equal, then do we, have re, do we really have religion at all? It, it's, it's not religion. It's a belief system. But it comes out as a religion at the end anyway. And here is the problem. If you're going to stand up in front of students and teach them, how are you going to teach them without teaching right and wrong? I, even, even in math, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, teach. Um, you know what? Um, the, the, now, the, you're getting into my fantasy life now, right? I, I want to be a kid again and go to high school. And I want to be in math class. And uh, Sounds I, like I, a nightmare. I, right. <laughs> for me. For my teachers, it was. anyway. Anyway, so said hey teach I, I don't even think two plus two equals five. I think it equals purple there are two plus two equals four it equals purple yeah whatever yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it yeah. it's just equals purple yeah, all right uh, and enough of this narrow minded mindedness right enough of this judgmental stuff, enough of this eliminating other points of view you know you've been saying in here that for, for all this time that two plus two equals four. Mm-hmm. And no other answer is correct. Right. But I just came from, I don't know, philosophy, I have philosophy class in high school. I don't know. I just came from philosophy class and I learned that there's no such thing as absolutes. So who are you to tell me with your narrow-minded view that 2 plus 2 equals 4? Can that teacher say that's wrong? Well, I would hope so. Uh, hopefully that kid's not going to be like a structural engineer <laughs> with, that, with that view of things. right? But th- this, is, this is where we're headed with our ideas now of inclusive I- inclusive and the idea that there is no such thing as a, as a fear of Lord. So I become the standard, and if I become the standard, who's that teacher to tell me that two plus two equals four? What a disaster. I'll tell you when they can do math, though, when it's time to increase the budget. <laughs> right. you can do math now. Right. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: there is no, there is no neutrality. And Rush has has this, this quote about the government schools, he says, quote, they are religious establishments which teach a religion alien to most citizens because they're not teaching the biblical worldview. They're not teaching even some sort of watered-down version of that. They're teaching humanism, and at this point they're teaching that boys can be girls and girls can be boys. They're, they're, They're teaching these worldview issues as truth, and they do it with public funds. Few things in the United States are more in violation of the First Amendment than the public schools. From its inception, the public or state school system has been destructive of civil liberty and increasingly of biblical faith, end quote. Now, yes, I mean, this is just one of the great you know, hypocritical things in the government school system is that they say we are neutral. We, we, will, we do not endorse a religion, and yet they are one of the most religious institutions that there is teaching people how to think, what is right and wrong, and how to live. And we're going to get into that more when we when we dig into you know what is really the purpose behind government school before we do that let's take a step back here because this pod uh, this episode is titled back to school back to socialism and, and a lot of people might say well how is the government school system socialistic right how yeah isn't socialism you know that that bernie sanders stuff and, and karl marx you know but how is the government school system which is rubber stamped and approved and endorsed by your republican leaders how is this socialistic maybe why don't you start off with that and we can go into a little bit is the government school system socialistic
1: yeah so- socialism of course based on coveting my neighbor's goods okay so i've had conversations with people we we uh, my, my children were never in, in public school except i think one time we wanted to try like the local uh votech vote program which uh, didn't didn't work out i <laughs> i'm gonna tell you how, how that didn't work out well right um one of my sons had been it for like around Christmas time. He came home with a um, uh, he, he'd made like a uh, uh, napkin holder thing, right? Ah, it looked kind of pretty cool. Woodshop class, Votech, yeah. I said um, well, that's kind of cool. Uh, so what have the other kids built? He said, well, not really much of anything. I said, wait a minute. This is December. You've been doing this since September. Let's see now. Uh, September, October, November, December. What do they do? He said, ah, he said they just kind of hang around. And you know the teacher is kind of like an entertainer type guy. You know. And I can see everybody go, ah, that's what happens in my vote tech?" <laughs> well, that's what happened in this one. And <laughs> nothing was, was actually. So that, that was our uh, government school experience. And we decided that um, it really wasn't working out. So we, we, we took them out of there. But my, my point is this. Socialism says this, you are owed your neighbor's goods just because you're breathing. Mm-hmm. So I said to people, how about, okay, this happened one time uh, at, at, a, uh, at, at a march, I was, or, or at a demonstration I was that right? And um, it was an um, uh, anti-abortion, or back, time, back then we used the term pro-life a lot more, and um, demonstration. And there was a lady there who was definitely pro-abort but she presented herself as pro-choice, right? And so I walked up to her and I said, uh, I'm pro-choice too. And she was like really happy to hear that, of course. I said, yeah. I said, I think I should be able to educate my children the way I want on my money and not pay for an education that I don't want. I think I should have that choice. Now she was surprised, so I, I can't be too hard on her, but didn't she say she just spat right out? Oh no, that's the wrong choice. <laughs> right. Okay. Let's see now if I'm stupid enough to have my baby born, then you, the very same people that would have happily killed the baby in the womb now want to tell me what I how, how I have to educate my children. No, you're allowed to Christian schools if you want, or you're allowed to homeschool if you want. Oh, thank you so much for your graciousness. I'd, I'd rather not pay for it. Oh no. Uh, we're going to still take your money. Because we deserve your money, socialism says that at its base, your neighbor deserves your money, and that's what, that 's why uh, government schools are a classic example of socialism how about How about this? How about the people that want their children educated pay for it, and the people that don't don't and somebody's going to argue compelling state interests mm-hmm. well how 's compelling st- whatever that is mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not quite exactly sure how it's in, in the interest of the state to have people know how to read. Well, I'm pretty sure before government schools, people, I don't know, they, they somehow learned how to read and I'm pretty sure they learned how to read a lot better than they actually do now with all this money,
0: $15 billion just in state money.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we're not
0: even sure if they can read. Yeah. I mean, if it weren't so sad, it would be comical. It would be comical. So social, the so, socialistic I- idea, right, from each according
1: to his ability to each according to his need. Okay, and that, that's what this is. You say, okay, you have... Said Karl Marx, whose one child died of starvation, and probably another one did too, got, got extremely sick, and he wouldn't even take care of his own children. Nor would he take care of his household servant, who who's, they called her Lenchin, who he got pregnant and never, never supported that child at all. From each according to his ability, to each what a what a lying hypocrite, right? Yeah, and this this idea, th- this
0: is what socialism is, and I, and I really want us to hone in on this because this is just I don't know if it, people are ignorant of it or are, are willingly I- ignoring this, but the idea of socialism socialism is that okay, there should be free access to the distribution of goods, capital, and services. People say, well, okay, government education that's not socialism because we're not controlling you know the the production here of this or that but but the heart of socialism is this idea that the state can forcefully take your capital your goods in order to provide services to others right and they're saying and I want to get into this because they're basically saying you don't own your land you will pay us rent on your land so that we can provide this service to others we're going to control you know your capital to pay for these services to other people. And I just spoke recently with someone who very, very and I'll get into this later, you know, very generous person who, who certainly is very charitable, mm-hmm. right? And we're going to get into the idea of well, what happens without government education. We'll get into that. But here's a man who I know him personally, you know, very charitable man. He owns some properties in the Lancaster school district. And he told me, he said, this is just so wrong that I have to pay for this education. Not only that I don't agree with it. But it's actually causing harm to this county, this government education. and I'm forced to pay for something that is propagating evil, that is propagating abortion, that is propagating this transgender foolishness. And he has to not only pay for an education that he doesn't want his kids to have, and not only an education he doesn't agree with, but an education that is actively promoting evil. And he has to and, and if that is not socialistic, if that is not, you know, the heart of socialism, the government saying, hey, we control your property and you pay us so that we can educate children, then socialism doesn't exist, right? There, there's, now, you mentioned you know, Karl Marx, that quote is from him. We have the, the Communist Manifesto. And, of course, the 10th plank of the Communist Manifesto is, that, is this, free education for all children in public schools. The abolition of children's factory labor in its present form combination of education with industrial production, which we'll get to to later when we look at Horace Mann and the Prussian model of education. So the 10th plank, free education for all children in public schools, and yet people will say, oh no, no, this is not socialistic. And the first plank is the abolition of property in land and application of all rents of land to public purpose. This is socialism. This is the definition of socialism. If you read the other eight planks, it's basically what we have in America now. So the government school system institution is the most socialistic system that I can think of. I don't know, can you think of anything more socialistic than this? I can't. Now, why, why, why? I'm glad I can't. Right, why are Republic, I don't know if this is, you know, a million dollar question here, why do Republicans continue to support this? I mean, in your interactions with people, I know you've talked to a lot of people about this topic, why is it that Republicans are continuing to support something when they they decry socialism? They say, "Oh, socialism is so bad. We're, you know, we're the conservatives. We're we're for liberty and freedom." Why is it then that they continue and happily and send out their emails and say, "Hey, we've invested in your education so 15 billion dollars." What's going on here?
1: I'd like to I'd like to actually know. Right. But I think I know. And that is caught up in this wave of socialism already it's that fish that doesn't understand what water is and their seats too you know the, the the education lobby is extremely strong my understanding is that I believe it was Act I'm not sure what act it was years ago actually declared that the teachers um, investments cannot ever go down it, it's it's a crazy thing that I really can't No, no one else has that but it's a crazy thing that I've looked into, and it's, it's been a while, and, and maybe, maybe it's, it's, it's changed by that point. It's such a behemoth. However, what kind of responsibility do the Republican legislators have? Well, they have a responsibility to protect their neighbor's goods. And you cannot protect your neighbor's goods, your neighbor's person, your neighbor's property, and at the same time, support these transfer payments from their neighbors to their neighbors with a bunch of bureaucrats getting money also at the same time. And let's face it, everybody, everybody knows. Everybody knows. I mean, now the numbers are coming out. The United States, what, 28th in math worldwide, this kind of stuff. How bad does it have to get? You know what? It can get it can get to the point where everybody's illiterate. And you know what? They'll still be asking for the money. Yeah, There's more and, money that'll and, solve the problem. And the Republicans are on board with it. It is time for the Republicans. And the Democrats and anyone who loves God and neighbor to say enough of this. We need to roll this thing back. We need to put education back in the hands of parents. I know some people say, well, the parents aren't going to do a good job. They're terrible parents. You know what? There's a lot of terrible parents. I have a question for you. I wonder where those terrible parents got educated. Right. Who, who had them during the educable years of their life? And now, and now you're saying they're, they're, they're terrible parents. Right. You know, they just might be. I think I have an idea of how they got that way. Right. I, I might have an idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, and this is what gets me, Joel, when, when Bernie Sanders, right, you know, ad- admittedly a socialist, right? And, and the Republicans are like, oh, this, you know, this is radical. Yeah. Bernie Sanders wants, kind of like Biden's college, you know, quote unquote forgiveness scheme. We can talk about that another time. But they say, oh, you know, Bernie Sanders, he wants free college education for everyone. That's radical. This is this is insane. This is this this is we'll, we'll plunge our country into socialism and we, we got this, we gotta stand against this radical leftism of, of Bernie Sanders and some of the Democrats they were like, oh yeah, this is this is we, we need the moderate Joe Biden. So Bernie Sanders, his idea of free college tuition, free college education is much less than free K through 12 education, right? The more socialistic thing is the K through 12. If we're already paying via taxpayer money through a socialistic system to pay for education from pre-K to 12, what's four more years, right? That's a drop in the bucket. And, and yet- Sounds like a bargain. Right, right. and so this, this, it's, it's, it's so disingenuous when Republicans stand up and, 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 and remonstrate against Bernie Sanders and his free co- college, you know, tuition-free plan as a socialistic thing, and yet then they turn around and vote and approve for a much bigger socialistic system, K-12 through education. It's just, it, it, it's baffling. There's no, philosophically, you know, Bernie Sanders' plan is a much smaller socialistic, you know, more students go to K-12 through than go to college, and they're there for 12, 13 years as opposed to four, Again, it's just it's talking points and rhetoric without an understanding and a grounding in common sense and biblical a biblical understanding of civil government that would lead Republicans to endorse K through twelve public government education and then turn around and call Bernie Sanders a socialist.
1: Yeah, as if that's some kind of like a foreign like, like he's got leprosy and we don't. Right. You know, this this Chris, this has been built plank by plank. I would urge Republicans to say, let's take it apart plank by plank. Yeah. If you're really serious about education. Now, if you're serious about schools and what passes for education, budgets, bureaucracies, uh, property, those brick buildings, if you're serious about that, then keep it up. But if you're serious about actual education, teaching children what they need to know in order to love God and love their neighbor, then let's take it apart. The way it's been built plank by plank. Let's shrink those budgets. I know someone's going to say, well, you know, you're taking away the violin program for the third graders. I don't know. Did anybody ever learn how to play the violin before without a public school program for third graders? Pretty sure they did. Let's see if that'll work again, because what we have is we're graduating functional illiterates. Mm -hmm. I mean, you (laughs) you, you got employer. More and more, you're seeing employers say, we'll teach you some basic skills. Right. Wait a minute. You've been, in, you've been in school for 13 years, and your employer has to teach you basic skills? I don't know. I'm, I, I'm not the smartest guy in the whole wide world. But I'm kind of concluding that they didn't learn basic skills in the 13 years in which they were in school. I mean, it just kind of makes sense. That, I'm just kind of funny that way. It, it kind of makes sense to me. Right.
0: Yeah. Now let's get let's get into this a little bit more here on on this this socialism, this idea that the state should control education, right? because this is I mean it's just assumed. You mentioned you know the fish and water. You just you're used to it. This idea of that the government should run education, I mean people here, some people listening to us might say, "What are you insane? Of course the government should control education. Like why wouldn't they? Uh, that that's that's what." government is supposed to do and it's it's the same mindset when we talked about the Amos Miller case right and you read some of these these local newspapers and what they're saying and they're 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 just it's it's they just can't comprehend the idea that you know what the government shouldn't be in the business of telling me and telling Amos what he can sell what what food products he can sell to me and it's the same thing with education that they it's just like well of course the government should be running education you know what What's the, the alternative is chaos. Now, I want to just kind of go back a little bit here through our history just briefly. I know we can't get into this, this too much and kind of look at this idea of how we, how we got to where we are now and where this, this mindset comes from. You know, initially, the, when the, the pilgrims came over, of course, they didn't have government school system. Now, I want to talk about I think some of them eventually started to create some things that maybe we could say were precursors to government education. I think they got that wrong. And we'll talk about that. Actually, why don't, why don't we start there, in fact. So, one of, my, uh, one of my favorite books is Of Plymouth Plantation by William Bradford, who the, the pilgrims came over, uh, they settled in New England, and then after them, the, the Puritans came over and set, settled in the Boston area. Now, what's considered the first public school came about in Boston. Now, at the time, of course, their goals for education were much different than today. Their goal is to teach people to, children to read the Bible and, and to love God and love neighbor, like you're
1: saying. Of course, now we're teaching children not to read the Bible, but anyway. Exactly. Now, I think we can understand perhaps why
0: the, some of these Christians that came over may have fallen into the idea of public education. But I think it's important to point out that public education, let, let's say we have a township. Let's say we get rid of this socialistic system. We have a township that says, you know what, we want to form a school for, our, for the students in this township. If, if the people in the township came together and said, hey, we, we want to form this school, we have a group of people that want to teach in it, and we're, we're going to pay them, C- citizens of this township can voluntarily pay this school district, and we can set up charitable programs, and it's open to everybody. That Maybe we could consider that public, but it wouldn't be government education, and it wouldn't be socialistic. So some of these schools in the past, they, they were run by the churches, they were open to the public, but they were not socialistic because they weren't, People weren't forced to pay for them. I mean, that's the key. If you're going to force someone to, you're going to force them, you're going to tax their property to pay for this education. That's what makes it government-run. We get this idea of public confused, you know, with with government education. Being open to the public is not the issue here. The issue is where is the funding coming from, and is it coming at the point of an IRS agent's gun basically saying, if you don't pay this, we're going to confiscate your property.
1: Yeah, yeah, think about that. I, I... Yeah, you know, I thought about this a lot, right? Joel, we need to tax your property for the children. And if you don't, yeah, it sounds really good, right? For the, for the children, right? The children need an education. Joel, we're going to have to tax your property. Uh, okay, what if Joel says he doesn't want to pay the taxes? Then we will happily throw your children out on the street. Right. Yeah, yeah. We'll take your property and you'll yeah, you'll yeah. Be out here. But we're about the children. Right. The hypocrite thing again, you, you know what? And that I, I'm cutting you off here. Socialism is, I, I said, it's institutionalized covetousness before. It's institutionalized hypocrisy also. Mm-hmm. It's consistently getting other people to do what you're not willing to do yourself. Right. Right. And I want to get into that more. I want to read this here briefly because if, what, if I'll let you.
0: Yeah. No. <laughs> when the pilgrims came over, see, I I think it, when they came over, they. In many ways, it was groundbreaking what they were trying to do, trying to apply biblical law to society. They weren't the first people that ever did it, but there had been a great darkness and obscuring of the mm-hmm. Word of God, and the Reformation brought about this unleashing of the Word, applying mm-hmm. the Word to all of society. Mm-hmm. And so in, in some ways, they, they were you know plotting a new course. Mm-hmm. And when, when the pilgrims came, they actually tried socialism in their Plymouth plantation. They, they tried socialism as it relates to the production of the crops and fields. And what was happening was that the, the fields were, the conditions were horrible. People weren't working. They were being lazy. They were saying, oh, I don't feel good. I can't, I can't work today. Someone else is going to have to do it because all the all the resources were pulled into a community pool. And, and, and Bradford and the leaders there said. The, the
1: public good.
0: Right, all for, all the, for, public all for the public good. And uh, what Bradford writes is that, you know, we had to change this. So every family was assigned a parcel of land according to the proportion of their number with that in view. For present purposes only and making no division for inheritance, all boys and children be included under some family. This was very successful. It made all hands very industrious so that much more corn was planted than otherwise would have been by any means the governor or any other could devise and saved him a great deal of trouble and gave far better satisfaction. The women now went willingly into the field and took their little ones with them to plant corn while before they would allege weakness and inability and to have compelled them would have been thought great tyranny and oppression. So he's basically saying, yeah, we tried this socialistic thing and it didn't work. And so we said, all right, hey, look, you guys have your own fields. You raise your own crops. Production went through the roof because people, this, you know, this, they took an interest in what they were doing. And then he says this, the failure of this experiment of communal service, which was tried for several years and by good and honest men proves the emptiness of the theory of Plato and other ancients, applauded by some of later times, that the taking away of private property and the possession of it in community by a commonwealth would make them a state happy and flourishing, as if they were wiser than God. So Bradford, they, they, they came to recognize, you know what, this idea of socialism, which they wouldn't have called it that probably at the time, but this idea of, oh, we're going to pull all the resources for the communal good, goes against the word of God. And they came to realize that, you know what, we were wrong to do that, and it doesn't work. And I think any, now the Pilgrims didn't establish a government school, What as you mentioned they would teach their children to read. People learned how to read without the government school. They would teach them a trade. The, the,
1: the girls would learn from their mother how to keep house. Right there, they learned how to plant. The children are out there learning how to plant. Right. What a good thing is happening here.
0: Right. And so much of this, even in American history, and we'll get to a little bit more leading up to the 1830s when things really started to change. I mean, most of, most of the children were educated by private means, right? And, and they learned a trade. They learned a skill. They learned how to work. Uh, you'd have, you know, apprentice, apprenticeships where you'd go in and learn from someone. And now what happened then, I think when you look at um, this idea that, well, the the government should be involved in this, you can understand from their perspective that, yeah, it's a good thing to edu- for children to be educated. Like we agree it's a very good thing to be educated. And they even had the right mindset that it should be based on the Bible. I think it was easier for them to recognize right away the... You know the the futility, the the emptiness of socialism as it relates to crop production, because you can see that pretty quick. Whereas education, when they started out with a biblical front framework, it was kind of hard to see. You know how is this going to lead down the road? Um, now I think in in as much as any of the Puritans wanted a a government uh, mandated education, I would say they they erred from scripture, mm-hmm. and we. We certainly don't think everything in our nation's history, even from the Puritans, was accurate, only in as much as they obeyed God's word. And that's our, that's our point here. What, what does the word of God say about this? Does the word of God give the government the, the right to take your money to provide
1: an education? And I think we would both say it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Think about the Ten Commandments here for a second. This is, this is something we, we need to think thoroughly about. You have Ten Commandments. What are you going to talk about in Ten Commandments? What well, are you talking about God and proper worship of him? The first three commandments have to do with that for sure. You could argue for certainly the first four, but certainly the first three. Uh, no other gods. I'm the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. We are already addressing private property here. When you're in bondage, you don't have property, mm-hmm. and they didn't have property in in, in Egypt, the children of Israel didn't. In fact, they didn't have property w- towards the end in their own families and their own sons because they were being they were being killed. So no property. So actually, from the very first commandment on, second commandment, don't bow down to to idols. Third commandment, don't take the Lord's name in vain. So we got worship of God going on here. Maybe a little bit of transition, shall we say, in the fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. In it, you shall not do any work. Well. Why would you have a command not to do any work on one, that one day? You're assuming that you're doing work on the other six days. The next commandment has to do with family, which Karl Marx hated passionately. Mm-hmm. He hated the idea of family. And frankly, historically speaking, his family hated him, <laughs> hated his guts. Uh, you, know, you know, you see, I I, moral Karl Marx. I mean, he, he never went without food. You see pictures of him? He, he got plenty to eat. But at least one of his children starved to death. The first, the first and ultimate hypocrite, well, not the first, but certainly the ultimate hypocrite perhaps when it comes to this, this kind of thing. But going on, okay, don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't steal. Don't, you know, there's private property. And the, 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 the final commandment. don't covet anything that is your neighbor's. Mm-hmm. Your, it, it is your neighbor's property. Ten Commandments, and we have, in at least four of them, we have, we have explicit or implicit references to private property. Now, I, I get it that there's lots of, I don't even want to say well-meaning pastors out there, because I don't know if they're well-meaning or not. And they'll say, well, you're talking about things like private property, you're abandoning the gospel. Hmm. Well, I, I want to know, since when, <laughs> since when is the whole counsel of God in opposition to the gospel right so when did that happen I mean we have statements like and, and God's saying and I, I, I in his word Chris I think I see the passion coming through here false weights and measures are an abomination mm-hmm. God says that I, I hate that he has hatred about attacking private property that way I'm gonna use a false weight to get more of your property that I don't deserve mm-hmm. God says he hates that so this th- it, it's reasonable to me that Karl Marx, for example, the, the socialist, hated private property because he hated God first. Mm-hmm. Chris, I want to tell you, if you hate God, you're, in the end, you're going to wind up hating private property. Why, why couldn't Karl Marx say, yeah, I hate God. We're not going to have anything with God, but the family can exist. And if somebody wants to own a piece of property, I don't care. Why, why couldn't he do that? Come on, Karl. Compromise like we're all supposed, supposed to do, right? We're supposed to like compromise. How about Carl, if we don't, if we don't do the manger scene in the town square, but I can own my property and I can develop it and I can make a lot of money off it if I want to. Is that okay with you? No, no, because he understood the, the he understood where most pastors don't, the connection between the Bible, worshiping God and private property in the 10 commandments and all throughout the scriptures.
0: And the government school system is, is built on violations of the eighth and tenth, specifically. Specifically, Fifth, we're going to we're going to we're going to steal your, your property. We're going to tax you, you. Know we're going to force you to pay us. You don't own it, uh, and we're going to you know covet what you have so that the
1: less fortunate, yeah. quote unquote, can benefit. Best definition I've heard um, before I forget it because I probably will. A three-word definition of socialism. It's it's the best definition, uh, by, by a Frenchman. Um, who many people argue were the first modern socialists, if you will, that uh, Marx actually studied from them. I don't know about all that history, but a guy named uh, P-R-O-U-D-H-O-N. I don't even know how to pronounce his name because I've only read it. Proudhon. I don't know. Uh, Proudhon? I don't know. Um, A three-word definition of socialism. Property is theft.
0: Mm. Property is theft. Wow. Yeah, and so the attack on private property, and then you mentioned the attack on the family. And I, and I want to talk about that a little bit more. Now, one thing I want to say, first of all, is, okay, if I do want to talk about the, the charitable side of this and, and those that may be poor. We'll get to that in a minute, but
1: let's, let's say, I mean, yeah, we, we— Before I throw you off your train of thought again, yeah. <laughs> I keep doing that to yeah. you. Sorry about that. No, 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 no.
0: no. I, I, when, if we look at this and said, okay— Let's just assume for a second that we think the government should be involved in in social welfare. All right. Let's just assume that, I mean, biblically that's, that's incorrect. It's not the government's role, the government's role. And I mean, and this is huge. We can't stress this enough. If you understand what the government's role for education is, then you will understand what they should not be doing. And the government's role is to, you know, bear the sword and punish evildoers, not to provide social welfare. But let's assume that that is their job. If you had $15 $15 billion just in state funding here, and you're giving it to education. Well, there's something that's a far greater indicator of success in life than whether you went to a government school. And that, as you know, of course, is is there a father in your home? Far, far, I mean, statistically, there's nothing that even comes close to whether or not you're gonna end in prison, whether you're gonna be a violent offender is whether or not you had a father you know, in, in your home who, who, ta- who raised you now. Sometimes these fathers aren't the best, but that, that factor alone, And so if you're going to say, well, what could the government do that would actually benefit children in the future? I mean, take that $15 billion and apply it to some program that encourages fathers to stay in the home. Now, we both say that's not the government's role. But from a pragmatic perspective, the government education scheme doesn't even help. It, it It doesn't solve the problems. It doesn't address the root issue, which is the family. And when you look at these numbers, you, okay, yeah, fatherlessness way more important than whether or not someone was, was homeschooled or government school. It was their father in the home. But, of course, as you mentioned, Karl Marx hates the family, and the government school system is based on the idea, and this is what I want to get into here, it's based on the idea that the state is your father. The state is your father. and Your provider and protector. Exactly. And, and, and this, this is the heart of it. So... There was a, a speech by Thaddeus Stevens in 1835 in the Pennsylvania House of Representatives. And this speech is, you know, appealed to by people who say, yeah, this, you know, this is a great speech on why we need government education in Pennsylvania. As he gave this speech on the school law, there was actually some controversy of whether or not the state should, should mandate this enforce this and bureaucratize this education system. And what he does in his speech, like so many do, is he uses the, lang- uses the right language of, of being free. And he uses the language of Christian mm-hmm. to emotionally appeal to people that, that, of course, in a free society, the government should be in charge of education. We're saying, what? In a free society, government should be in charge of education. And, and it's the same thing today with, with the, the Inflation Reduction Act. Like, do people not see the, the words they're saying do not match up with what they mean here? And, and, and he said this. Stephen says this. He says, I mean, two main quotes here I want to read from him. If, then, education be of admitted importance to the, to the people under all forms of governments and of unquestioned necessity when they govern themselves. Okay, so he's saying, you know, if we admit that education is important, yeah, we admit education is important. So he says, okay, if you admit that, it follows, of course, that its cultivation and diffusion is a matter of public concern and a duty which every government owes its people. Ah. Now, now, how does that follow? That yeah. because this is important, now yeah. that government is responsible, on what grounds is it a duty of the government to provide an education to the people? Right, th- this is the claim that's made, and this is, go- this is positive law. Well, if there's anything that could benefit the people, it now falls under the purview of the civil government.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: But he said one more thing here about this, this, this family issue. He says, in accordance with this principle, the ancient republics, who were most renowned for their wisdom and success, considered every child born subject to their control oh, as boy. the property of the state. This is Thaddeus Stevens' 1835 Pennsylvania House of Representatives speech. The property of the state, so far as its education was concerned, well, only as their education was concerned. You know, mm. They're not really our property, but only as this is concerned. Yeah. And during the proper period of instruction, they were withdrawn from the control of their parents and placed under the guardianship of the commonwealth. They were all instructed at the same school, all were placed on perfect equality, the rich and the poor man's son, for all were deemed children, here it is, children of the same common parent of the commonwealth." End quote. Now to borrow from Tertullian and maybe apply it slightly differently, what indeed hath Athens to do with Jerusalem? He's appealing to these pagan societies, right, just like Bradford said, you know, th- the idea of Plato, it's, it's foolishness. They claim to be wiser than God. And here's Thaddeus Stevens in 1835 saying, well, look at these pagan republics, and not that there couldn't be something we can learn from them if it accords with Scripture, but he's basically saying, well, hey, in those societies, the children belong to the state, and that's what we should do now. You know, What, what does, does the pagan society have to do with, with a, a free biblical society? In this case, nothing, because they're saying the children belong to the state. And biblically, that is where there's the greatest uh, divide here, that biblically the, the, children, the responsibility to educate the children does not fall on the magistrate, does not fall on the government, primarily doesn't even fall on the church. It f- falls... First and foremost, and primarily on the parents.
1: You know, Christ said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Sanctify them through your truth because your word is, is true. We now live in a society where you can have access. And I've had serious discussions with people about creating your own reality. Mm-hmm. And that's what Stevens is doing there. And, and, and you know, if you can create, create your own reality, and I've challenged people with this. And they look at me like, ah, that's not really what I'm talking about. Well, as a simple illustration, if you can create your own reality, who needs an umbrella? It's not raining. It might be raining everybody else. And you might think it's raining, but it's not raining on me. No, you buy an umbrella because you cannot create your own reality. I love, I love his term there, Stevens, perfect equality. Mm-hmm. What's he talking about? D- 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 again, the hypocrisy. Is he saying... You know, th- Politicians today, and Stevens, probably the same, I don't know, but I do know about politicians today who want to push public education on everybody so that everybody can get a good quality education. One, one question, just one, I don't need to dwell on it. It's just another hypocritical thing. Where are their kids? They're in the, they're in the expensive public, uh, private schools. The, right. the hy- hypocrisy is amazing. And Stevens, Thad Stevens... Uh, where were his kids, I wonder? I don't think his kids were right beside those real poor kids. Somehow, I think maybe his kids had a, got a chance to go to uh, the better schools. Mm-hmm. Perfect equality. What he's talking about. What, that, that, that's, that's a fiction. But that's this idea. We, we, in our heads, right? That's why I was talking about creating your reality. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? I'll just speak perfect equality into existence here. Doesn't exist. Right. But I guess you can make a speech about it. Yeah, you're right. This idea of perfect equality, and
0: we're going to get into this idea of perfection and salvation here in a second with Horace Mann and some of the things he said. But the idea that, well, everybody needs this perfect equality. They need the exact same opportunities. That's not how life is, right? People have different opportunities, different skills, different talents, right? And some people, you know, because of their their parents teaching them a trade, multiple trades, they're in a better position to make money than someone else. And that's okay, right? The
1: solution to that... I think it's Kind of a good thing, actually, somebody's really really good at serving his neighbor and he gets paid for it more power to him right
0: right and he can, he can provide more more opportunities and apprenticeships and than otherwise would have been there if you if you level the playing field quote unquote and have this perfect equality, it's actually going to be to the detriment of loving neighbor you're going to have you have less prosperity, less you know advances in trade less opportunities for you because those those people that may have been given different opportunities then lead to greater production in society and more jobs. So I wanna get into this, this, Horace, this Horace Mann thing here, because from the beginning, the advocates of government education understood that this would not flourish without applying socialism, without, without making this, you know, this scheme you know, forced taxation here. And, and Horace Mann said this, going back to property yeah. here, we, we talked about what Stephen says in hatred of the family, mm-hmm. that no, the family is not sovereign, Uh, when it comes to the education of the children of the state is,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Horace Mann said this about property. He said, no one man nor any one generation of man has any such title to or ownership in these ingredients and, and substantials of all wealth. That his right is invaded when a portion of them is taken for the benefit of posterity. So what he's saying is nobody actually owns their wealth, and so their rights are not invaded when a portion of them is taken for the benefit of posterity. This is an attack on private property saying you don't own your stuff. So so who gets to take it? Well, the government, of course. Uh, Oh,
1: they own it. Yes. Mm, mm, Okay. (laughs) The the light's dawning in a dark place here. Mm. So so it's not your property, and you have to do this for the good of the next generation. So so if I have a field, right, I cultivate it, Mm -hmm. I plant it, I harvest it. It belongs to people who didn't plant it. Didn't cultivate it. Didn't harvest it. Well, we'll according say, according to him, right? We'll say that you still own it, but you have to pay them for it. Okay. Yeah. They own a <laughs> portion of it. Sure. And in the mm-hmm. in, and in their, in their graciousness, they let me keep some. If you pay them, yes. All right. All right.
0: <laughs> so so he goes on here and says it is not for their own benefit. Now here's the thing. This this is what is government education really about. This I think we're going to get to the heart of here. What is it really about? You mentioned what true education should be about: loving God and loving neighbor. And there's a lot of different ways that you can achieve that goal, right? You can, you can teach a trade, and there should be some of that involved, I think, in any type of education, but there's not one specific way, hey, you need to go K through 12, these subjects, or else you haven't provided an education. And we can talk a little bit more about that, I think, as we get to the end, and, and maybe some application, but what is the goal of government education? And, and now we come back to Stevens here, and Stevens says this, it is for their own benefit inasmuch as it perpetuates the government and ensures the due administration of the laws under which they live. So the purpose of government education is to perpetuate the government. That's what Stephen said. The, the government school system has, of course, as its highest goal, the advancement of the state over the interests of free families and individuals. That's what, that's what its purpose is. And if you look at Horace Mann, who's considered by some, you know, the, the, the father of government education, they say public, but the government education, the very model that influenced him was the Prussian model of creating a compliant and obedient citizenry to serve the state. That, that's the whole point. And, of course, then Hitler utilized this model when he came to power in Germany, and he, along with Mann, you know, saw the purpose of the educational system as instilling in the youth the ideals of the state. And Hitler said, he alone who owns the youth gains the future. And he also said, let me control the textbooks and I will control the state. So the idea with government education is, how can we advance government? And the best way to do that is to take little kids and put them for 12, 13 years in a system which teaches them that the government is their father that the government is supreme, that, that the state is God. And this is why a decentralized approach to education is one of the greatest threats to tyranny and statism. Right? This is why statists abhor private education, especially homeschooling. I know we talked about a couple episodes of Dr. Kerry's speech. Yeah. But remember in that speech, I mean, the, just the abhorrence to homeschooling. And this is why. Because a decentralized approach to education is, is
1: an attack on statism. Yeah, he, he had to, uh, in order to make his attack stick, I suppose, he had to tell a boldface lie, which was, yes, the homeschool curriculum is white nationalist. And as I mentioned back before, um, you know, we, we had nine children and we homeschooled all of them almost entirely, and there was no white nationalist curriculum present. In fact, I, I've been around homeschooling. I worked for a homeschool company at one time. And uh, I don't remember seeing any white nationalist uh, curricula there. But I mean, that's how much... Now, I'm not, I'm not discussing whether or not that's true. It's not true. What I'm saying is he hates private homeschooling so much that he had to lie about it in his speech. That's how, that's how much he hates it. Here's the thing. I, w- I would like to ask this question, Dr. Carey or anyone else. If it could be demonstrated that people would be educated better Without the government schools, would you be for that? Would you be in favor of better education if it was without the public school? And the answer is obviously not, because he who controls the children mm-hmm. controls the future. And this is about control here. Mm-hmm. It is about a compliant population. It is about us little gnomes just kind of doing our job and and not complaining about anything. Well, you know what? I'm not out to complain about everything, but I am kind of out there to be left alone. And you know what? If my neighbor is successful and makes a lot of money, let him keep his money. And you know what he'll do with it? And I, 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 this is what happens in a a real free society. In a a controlled society, we're all like grubbing, you know, for for worms underneath the acorn tree. Maybe we'll find an occasional nut to eat, right? But we're, we, we we cannot enjoy the fruits of fruit of our own labor. Mm-hmm. Socialism attacks the fruit of labor. That that's what it does. And so what what we really need is people who are left alone, to be successful, and and then Chris, these are people then that give money for the local library, uh, library for the local um, maybe, uh, symph art art museum or mm-hmm. whatever. And the fact of the matter is that people, when they make money, oftentimes, I've, I've known wealthy people. In my experience, they were often the most generous people. Mm-hmm. They were hardcore. They made deals. They made money. You, you know, if you wanted to raise from them, you're going to have to go and ask for it. And you're going to have to show them why you need more money. But then they would be extremely generous. And we're, we act now like we wouldn't have an art museum if it wouldn't be for... If it wouldn't be for the government, like squeezing money out of everybody. No. These art music universities mm-hmm. started with private funds. But and this Christians, are yep. yes, Christian believing wanted to teach people the Bible. But what happens so often is private people come up with an idea, a wonderful idea. Next thing you know, there's the state to come along and say, Well, we'll do it right. Mm-hmm. You people that invented it don't know what you're doing. I had a conversation just this morning with a uh, young man, a reporter. And we were talking about welfare, talking about a lot of things. But I said, I believe in welfare. I just don't believe in state-sponsored welfare. I I, I believe in voluntary welfare. And Mm -hmm. state-sponsored welfare can never be voluntary. And frankly, the education system is, is frankly, a great big state-sponsored welfare Mm -hmm. scheme.
0: And there's that number out there. I don't know what it is. It's like every dollar that goes to a government welfare, there's this tiny percent that actually reaches the recipient. And, of course, it's the same with the government school. I mean, we talked about it. If I had $100,000, which is basically if I had five kids uh, in school, that's how much money, fund government funding, that's way more than I need to educate my children by a you know, manner of tenfold. Yeah. And yet this is the money going into it because anytime the government comes in and tries to solve a problem that was not meant to do, it's disastrous. And so the idea of, well, if we didn't have government education, then we're not going to have literacy. We're not going to have, you know, sciences and arts and math. That that's a lie, right? And and people say, well, you know, all these poor kids will, will not be. Well, are they being taught now? And they're not because this this government system is is terrible. And un- unleash those shadows. There's so many people, as you mentioned, that there are right now are providing education options, while they're also paying for the government school system. Imagine what they could do if they actually were able to keep keep their money. And then the, the people say, well, that's why we have the you know the educational. Uh, You know tax credit program that's uh uh, uh. we have we have this program that you know (laughs) for approved institutions that businesses can you know give their taxes to these approved institutions well who does that benefit really you get down to it it's that's there for the state so they can say well let's try to attract some of these businesses and we'll be generous and say generous and say well you don't have to pay to the government school system you can give to an approved institution which i'm pretty sure uh, someone homeschooling isn't going to be an approved institution. Yeah, pretty and, sure. And also, that doesn't apply to any of the parents. Yeah. it's only the, the businesses. They say, Cause you're going to benefit us. We'll throw you a bone here." Yeah, and much more to be said about that. Maybe we can circle back here in a few minutes.
1: They, 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 they want to be in charge of throwing the bones, right? But never allow me to keep the bones before they get to throw it back at me, right? And and, and I, th- th- I've run this again and again. You know, like, hey, how about if, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want a tax credit. Mm-hmm. How about if I just not get taxed? Oh, no. No, the way it has to work is we have to take it from you, and then if you're a good boy, right. we'll pay you back. Right. But the idea of, like, not paying the taxes? Oh, no. No. That's given up way too much control, which is what this is about.
0: It is. It's about control. And the bottom line is the education system, the government education system, must teach that the state is supreme. Right? They, they have to teach that. If they, if they don't teach that, their whole system crumbles. Right, because if the state's not supreme, then why are we? Why do they own us and tell us? You know how to educate our kids. Now, this this mentality has been imbibed by so many in the Republican Party as well. I, I've yet to find a candidate here or or act, you know, politician that is willing to stand up against the socialism that is the government school system, and, and
1: that, at, at, at least make the, the bully pulpit case.
0: At, at least speak about it. Right. Yeah, that w- that would be nice. Now, this mindset, okay, obey the state. The state is God, essentially, which they Mm -hmm. wouldn't say that, Mm -hmm. but that's in practice Mm -hmm. because to posit that we can go against the state, you know, you, you read, oh, it's a baseless assertion that an individual could determine whether or not to follow a law from the state. So that's basically saying the state is always right. They're never wrong. They're God. And if you go against them, you are acting out of baseless assertions that you somehow as an individual have the right to say, well, that's evil and unjust. And I'm not
1: gonna follow it. You, you know what's weird about that? Um, as I was talking to this reporter this morning, he used the term moral relativism. Okay. Right. And um, which I was kind of impressed actually with that. And of course I said that's a, that's a, that, that, that's an oxymoron. No such thing as moral relativism. If it's relative then it doesn't have a moral base mm-hmm. at all. So, and, and, but moral relativism quote-unquote moral relativism, everything's relative, right, even morality, is being thrown around all over the place at the same time, to your point, that we're being told, do exactly what the state tells you. Right. How are we doing both here? Right. We can't.
0: Right. Exactly. Now, to wrap up this part here about the state being God, a decentralized approach where the government does not control education is, is a great threat, to to status government bureaucracies because if you don't have to go to the government school if you don't have to pay them well now people can actually think for themselves they can learn the bible and they can see that some of the stuff that is happening that the state is doing is wrong now the government school system is not neutral as we talked about right they they want to promote their worldview and and their understanding of right and wrong which abortion it's okay to murder babies transgender mutilative quote-unquote surgeries. I mean that is what you are you are creating a generation of people who bow to the state and say the state is God and if they say it's okay to abort, if they say it's okay to to mutilate children or adults, right, do things that really you know Joseph Mengele would be proud of, right, saying well yeah we're gonna, the state is endorsing these these mutilations Mm -hmm. and we're gonna teach your children that this is right mm-hmm. and praise the state for it mm-hmm. i mean the state is god in their view and that's why they hate homeschooling and even these, these private christian schools because we reject that we reject that the state is god that, you know christ is king not caesar and they can't have that and there, there is no neutrality here and the republicans that continue to try to oh we're going to reform the government school system mm-hmm. we're going to mm-hmm. take it back you mm-hmm. know we're going to get into those school boards yeah it's
1: a joke yeah, the school board, if you're on a school board, you pretty much, pretty much, I mean, do you get to set curricula, not much. You do get to make a decision perhaps on whether or not to paint the new room, uh, you know, light red or, or, or bright pink. I mean, that, that's pretty much you, you, what, what you get to do. And in terms of curricula, you know, that's, that is going to be established by someone else uh, way, way above you you get a chance to look like and feel like you're doing something. And it's a nice little red herring for everybody to chase, right? Mm-hmm. While Harrisburg and Washington are totally dictating the curricula, right. you get to feel like down here like you're actually actually doing something. And it's time that we think about this and say, you know, what do, what do we actually do at the school? I've been encouraged to run for school board already. And I ask the question, so what do I actually get to do? Mm-hmm. How about this? Um, and I, I, I'll say this. Um, I do, I do allow, and I've said this from the pulpit. I don't really think you've heard me say this, uh, but I, I, do allow for, um, government schooling. I do, I do have a spot for it that I, that I allow. Um, I think I'm reasonable, a reasonable guy. You can, you can evaluate whether or not this is reasonable or not. Right. Cause I'm told, well, well, Hey, you know what? Um, people need a godly influence in the public school and, uh, you know, my children can supply that godly influence, right? That's what usually after I've said to them, well, uh, you want your child to convert uh, everybody? Uh, there's conversion going on in the schools right now. It's not in the direction you're thinking of, though. Uh, with 80%, 70% to 80% of children leaving the faith, conversion is definitely happening in the government school. Right. But I said, okay, you know what? I will see you and raise you. Put your child in the government school. When you can be a missionary at the next school board meeting, just like you want your child to be. Stand up and say, when is this school going to be, it starts teaching that Christ is king, that the Bible is true, that there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. When are we gonna start doing this in this school? And when you can do that, then maybe I'll listen to you. Tell me about how your little Johnny can be a missionary in his second grade class. Right. You you want Johnny to be what you can't be. And you're an adult. Right. Yeah. And that, and that come on, people now, <laughs> come
0: on. Let's talk about that because let's, let's, let's wrap this up with the horse, I got one more quote here and then I want to get into application. This will be a little bit longer perhaps than our other ones, but this topic is so important Horace man. All right. The, the idea of what this government education system could do, and it's still today is if we just need more money and we'll solve all the problems, right? I mean, that's the mentality this is so important, we need government education because it's going to, it's the only solution to the problems that we have in society and we're just not giving enough money. You know, $15 billion is just not enough. So this is what Horace Mann said and this is just, I mean, revealing when when you understand what he's saying here. The common school is the greatest discovery ever made by man. And of course this is the, the government run socialistic. Other social organizations are curative and remedial. This is a preventative and an antidote. They come to heal diseases and wounds. This, speaking of government school, to make the physical and moral frame invulnerable to them. Let the common school be expanded to its capabilities. Right? Just give us more money. Let it it be expanded. Let it be worked with the efficiency with which it is uh, susceptible, and nine-tenths of the crimes in the penal code would become obsolete. The long catalog of human ills would be abridged. Men would walk more safely by day. Every pillow would be made invulnerable by night. Property, life, and character. Again, there's a hypocrisy, property. Property, life, and character held by a stronger tenure. All rational hopes respecting the future brightened. I mean, this is messianic it is. social salvation that if we just yeah. have the government take control of the education system, all our problems will be solved, at least 90% of them. All our problems will be solved. The criminals will be off the street. Everybody can rest easy knowing their property is safe, except from the government, of course, and uh, we'll have all our problems solved. But, you know, we need, to, we need the money. because if we don't have the money, then we can't do this. And is that not the same thing we've been hearing now for almost 200 years, right, that well, we just need more money and we'll solve all the problems? It's laughable if it wasn't so damaging to our county and nation.
1: Man, there's, there's so much in there. I mean, did he actually say "invulnerable in to problems" in the, physically? Like, 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 I'm not going to get a hangnail or, or cancer here. Well, I think he's. So just, he, <laughs> it, it, can,
0: can you read that? again, If you can find that, I think it's figurative. He's saying it's preventative. They come to heal diseases and wounds. This to make the physical and moral frame physical. And it does say physical. I don't. Know. Maybe, What's maybe, he talking <laughs>
1: about? <laughs> yeah. Thanks. I'm going to go to government school, and now I'm not going to get a, a cavity anymore. What's he talking about?
0: Well, certainly that's probably part of it. And, and, and if you look at the health issues in America, it's not the fact that, you know, people are eating junk food and on their phone. Uh, it's not the fact that there's not fathers in the home. It's the fact that, well, we just need more education. Right? And well, then we'll solve this. Poor man's going to put the pre-
1: dentists and the doctors out of business. Yeah. What in the <laughs> world, Chris? Yeah, I know.
0: It's, <laughs> it's laughable. It's laughable. But this, this is the mindset of government education. And if we don't have this, Everything falls apart. So let's let's try to move into to some application here. I mean, we talked about that. Okay, now what what's the alternative to a, a government run education? Now, prior to government run education, there was a lot of different ways people learn things, right? You, you learn, and also there was a better understanding of the roles of men and women. By the way, that. <laughs> Women would learn how to keep house. You know, girls would learn how to keep house from their mother. They would learn how to be women. They would learn how to support their future husband, right? And, and the boys would learn how to be men. They would learn a trade. If they were inclined to, to study, you know, law or science, they could then be apprenticed out. Like all these things could, can still happen today, even now, and could happen to an even greater degree if you remove this government education system. I mean, it's it's a complete waste of time. I mean, I went through the government education system and I, and I know, I mean, it was a waste of 12 years. I mean, you can take what you actually learn in that time, the the, the the tiny bit of good stuff, and compact it down to like two or three years. And instead of spending 12 years among peers who probably don't have the best of moral val- you know values, be with your family and maybe be apprenticed or, or work or volunteer with with men who know it, business and trade and provide a service to them while learning from them. I mean, that is such a better model than what we have here. But people are gonna say, well, oh, there's, there's no way. I mean, I, I can't, you know, I'm not capable of teaching my children. I just, I just, I know, you know, people might be sensitive to that, but I just wanna say, what did mothers and fathers do for all those years when there wasn't government education? I mean, if you're not capable of raising a child, then don't get married, right? If you're not able to take on the responsibility of raising a child, don't get married because if you, if you get married, the goal, one of the, one of the goals of marriage is to have children. And if you're gonna have a child, your job is to teach them how to live in this world. It doesn't mean you need to know everything, but you can give them the foundation, which most high school graduates don't even have. And you can at a much earlier age say, okay, now I'm gonna pair you up with, you know, an apprenticeship or this, that you can actually learn a trade if you're a boy. So maybe just talk about this. I know there's so much we could say, but the people that say, well, If we didn't have a government education system, you know, oh, these kids would just be, you know, dying on the streets. They wouldn't know how to read, which already a lot of them don't. Um, And you know, parents need the government education system because they're not capable of teaching their children.
1: Yeah, who who actually is building the the buildings that house these bureaucracies, for example? And I mean, most of the time they're not learning that in how to build these buildings in in a government school. I have one thing. To, I have a name for everything that you just said. The name is Nathaniel Bowditch. B-O-W-D-I-T-C-H. Carry on, Mr.
0: Bowditch. Right?
1: Yeah, um, I think it might have been a different person. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, but Nathaniel Bowditch became a. Um, he was never really a mariner as such, but he loved marine. He he he, he loves everything about uh, marine um, living, ships, shipping, and so forth. But he didn't have the money to go to school, mm-hmm. and his parents couldn't couldn't afford it. He was a really bright guy, but what's a guy going to do without a government school? Mm-hmm. I guess just be a beggar, right? And actually in his life, he, he, he coined a term called sailing by ash breeze. And what that meant was that, if you, that sometimes a, 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 a ship that's, that's supposed to be under sail, sometimes there's no breeze. Well, what you do is you put out the, the, the boats, right? And the, 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 um, the oars were often made by ash. Right, so the boats were rowed to pull the ship. It was hard work. You must rather have a breeze, but you're still making progress. Called it sailing by ash breeze. Hmm. And what that amounted to for him was, like he wanted to read um, Newton's uh, Principia, so he learned Latin, taught himself Latin. He wanted to know about um, maritime instruments, compasses, sextants, and so forth. So he got a job as an apprentice. Mm-hmm in a in, in that type of a of a shop he taught himself and he became a professor and he became a people that other people came to to learn how could he possibly do this Chris without a government education well, I don't I figure out a way to learn and I I am convinced that that what happens in our in our government schools I, I tell you this is what this is one of the reasons why I, I wanted to homeschool because I remember being being uh, inquisitive as a child but my third in, in third grade, I hated school so much, I I didn't want to learn anymore. So we need to ask ourselves this question: What harm to learning is being? No one's asking that question. Right? Is harm to learning being done here? Uh, third grade, Thomas Edison, as I understand, teacher brought him back home. Said he was addled. That was the word. A D D L E D. He was this kid can't learn anything. So his mother said, well, "I'll teach him." Hmm. I, I, I wonder how much worse off he would have been. Mm. Um, one thing I've, I've noticed, and, and this is anecdotal study, I've noticed an awful lot of people who invented things, who achieve things. A lot of them are school dropouts. Mm-hmm. Wright brothers, for example, mm-hmm. and I, I want to talk about them for just a second. I know we're light little time here, but yeah. uh, but those two those two young men, they taught themselves. And their father helped them. They, you know, I, I've read about them. They're, 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 they believed that their mother had mechanical ability. They said their father couldn't figure out which end of a hammer to pick up. But he, he knew that they had ability, and he tried to, to help them with it. He tried to get them toys that they would mess with and try to figure things out. Mm-hmm. One thing that's intriguing about it, speaking of government education, I, I would encourage anyone to, to read about what happened during that time because they were not the only ones trying to figure out flight. There were other people. One particular man whose name I can't remember was being supported by the government. The Wright brothers weren't. They were independent, by, they were into the, in the bicycling, fixing bikes, right? They, made, they were so successful at it, nobody out there trying to take all their money because they're successful. You owe your neighbor now because you're successful. They were so successful, they took their own money, went to Kitty Hawk during the winter time when bicycling wasn't as prominent in, in Ohio, and try to figure out flight on the beaches there at, at, at Kitty Hawk. Well, <laughs> this is, this is funny. The one dude that was trying to figure it out with government grants and, and think about it. If you're, if you got government grants to figure out how to fly, what's the one thing you might not want to do? Figure out how to fly. You might not want to <laughs> do that. The grants are going to come to an end. Right. The Wright brothers were not. Okay. And, and they were, they were high school dropouts, right? the dude that was government grand there were a couple of them. the one I'm thinking of constantly had to take off from a boat you know why he thought he might know how to fly but not land <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe in order for this thing to work you might want to figure out how to, how to land right the Wright brothers actually fig- figured that out and I'm not so sure about this so I won't say it uh, conclusively but I'm Pretty sure about it. They were the ones to uh, create, create uh, wind tunnels with smoke, because you 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 know with, with air, just air, you're not be able to see how the mm-hmm. how the uh, um, how the air reacts to to your wing. Right. But when you mix smoke with it, now you can see what the air is actually doing. And as I understand, it was the Wright brothers that figured that out all all their own. Chris, uh, no uh, <laughs> no government grant. Right. How about that? The government grant guys land in the water and messing everything up.
0: Yeah, it's amazing that we, we continue to think that the government is going to be able to solve this problem. And you make a very important point, it, right? The question is not, oh, well, are we going to be able to, to provide as good an education? The question is, what is the harm being done to learning? And I'm convinced that, I mean, look at the Amish, for example. I mean, they took a different approach, and I applaud them for standing up and saying, we do not want to be part of this. We don't, we don't even want our kids to have to be in school that long, because who comes up with this idea that, okay, well, you got to be in school until you're 18? Yeah. I mean, uh, we're just going to continue to i mean in, in the past and in, in societies where there was you actually had an understanding of a work ethic like you would not treat people like children that time but now we have to p- treat people like children until they're 30 40 50 whatever but the question is the harm being done And i'm convinced that if you if you teach your children to number one love god and his word and love learning mm-hmm. right you're unleashing them and their potentials to learn more, and your job is to guide them. And, I, and I'm, I'm really convinced that if you're not, that I, I people I think are, are, they're mistaken when they think that. Well, I'm not capable of teaching my children. I need the government to do it, right? I, I, I don't think that's true. I think that if we understand, if we compare it to the government system, I mean, again, if you really understand the government system, it's, it's, it's education is not quality. But if you say, well, let's take like the best school that we can have. It would still be better for those kids to be home with with their parents and then start giving them opportunities in real life to learn things i mean i i wish that i was given that opportunity i mean i'm thankful for what i have but i would much rather have preferred that than going to the government school system for 12 years of my life and getting out of there and hardly knowing anything right like so there's so many other options and i think if people actually but the thing is do they want it right would they prefer to take the easy road and say, well, the government's going to take care of this. It's not my problem. And I'll do, I'll complain every now and then, I'll go to a school board meeting um, because your job is to teach my kid, and I don't think you're doing a good job. And I think that is a a cop-out, and I think it's really actually morally reprehensible to say, well, I'm not responsible for my kid's education because I, I can't do a good enough job. I mean, I think Thomas Edison, like, if you look at it, okay, he he was probably – if we want to use these terms of brighter or whatever than then his mom maybe I mean the guy was a genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but but his, his mom's job the, the, the role of, of, of a parent in educating their children isn't to simply force feed them all this information as if we needed to know all these things our job is to give them the tools they need give them a love for learning and teach them most of all how to live this life right you are to live it according to God's Word I mean what's what's the benefit I mean Horace Mann saying oh if we had this government education It'll, it'll be great. No, it's been, it, we've been on a decline because of the increase in government education leads directly to a decrease in, the, in the, the good in society. And anything else you want to say on that, just an encouragement to people to say, well, I can't get my kids out of the government school system. I'm not going to be
1: able to do this. What would you say to someone who says that? I would say this. Our, our model in government schools and even some Christian schools is you're in a grade you're supposed to learn this material. Whether you're asking the question or not, when, what, what do you want to learn it or not? And I did, get, I did regain, Chris, my desire to learn as, as I got older, which was good. I will tell you that my um, highlight of my grade school experience, I mean, I, I thought that school was learning was the price I had to pay to, to go out, to, to go to lunch and go to recess and 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 play ball with my friends you know like i real that's what i really want to do right but in order to see my friends i got to sit there and and listen to and i got to learn how to write and all this kind of stuff and so the 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 highlight of my grade school experience quite frankly was a massive food fight that we got into i was a fourth grader and (laughs) (laughs) that day the teachers were in another room i guess they'd had enough of us It was was third, fourth graders sitting here, the fifth and sixth graders sitting over here. And I don't know how it started. But before you knew, it was bologna sandwiches, half-eaten apple cores, uh, lunchbox lunchbox cartons, flying all over the place. It was the absolute height of my grade school experience. it, it, It was so great. Listen, when you teach your children at home, now you can teach them things while they're asking it. Now you're really encouraging their ability. There is nothing better to teach a child a love for learning, which is really, if you teach all kinds of facts and the child doesn't leave with a a love for learning, you, you, you've not helped that child at all. You've hurt the child, but when you're at home and you're able to say, they, they come to you and say, why have this, I have this question here. And you're able to address it and maybe you don't know, but maybe you can look it up together. Now you're encouraging that love for learning. And you can't say, well, you know, hey, we went through this. We went through all the material. You know, it doesn't matter. Sometimes you go through the material. Maybe the kid's half asleep. Oh, but by George, we went through the material, and we filled out. We checked all the boxes. One, one, uh, so much more I could say about that. One, one, I had this, in ninth, it was ninth or tenth grade, government school, I, I learned something that day. See, you can learn something in a government school. And I did. I'm going to tell you what it was. I mean, I did learn some things. I clearly, clearly, I did. One thing I learned, algebra class, I'm on two rabbit trails now. Algebra class, I was supposed to learn x plus y, the quantity squared minus whatever, right? And It was all like language to me, and I didn't do well. You know, struggle along, right? One day, we got to a, I'll never forget it. It was a page of real problems. You know, the boats coming in at this angle or whatever, right? We were unable in that class to translate what we've learned, our X's, Y's and our Thetas to any kind of real life problem on that page. And I said, what in the world am I doing here? (laughs) Why am I here now? That could happen in private school too. I I, I get it. But to think, and I remember what we did, Chris, we just went to the next page. We were back to X's and Y's. (laughs) We did. It's true. But what I, what I started to say was, okay, we had this. We, we, we call them clobber speeches, right? It was ninth or 10th grade, right? I don't think you even do clobber speeches anymore because somebody's feelings might get hurt and we might have to get a Freudian counseling session to get my self-esteem back. Uh, this might be a half year process. But back then we could do that. One person take one side and one person take the other side. I, I imagine they still do that. I hope they do. Anyway, and so um, the topic that day, interestingly enough, was mandatory education. Right. Not education, mandatory education. Right. And this was at uh, in Berks County, near Lancaster County, the school that I that I went to at the time, the government school. And um, I still remember the teacher. And um, I took the side of against mandatory education. And my example was the Plain Community. You know, they go to school, 8th grade, they learn how to last, subtract, multiply, divide basic English skills and so forth, then they get jobs, and they're extremely productive people for the most part. And they keep learning in life, too. Yeah, it's not like they're done, mm-hmm. right? And many of them start businesses, hire other people, mm-hmm. do a lot of good in the world mm-hmm. with that 8th grade education of theirs, right? Right. And the other person talked and so forth, and I must have done too good of a job because the teacher got in on it against against me, Right. <laughs> So, I must, I must have won the debate. <laughs> Don't remember what grade I got, right? But here's the thing, it's, it's not about that. The teacher began to like, discuss this philosophically. I remember she used to lean on her hand like this, and there's a courtyard to the right, right? And she used to lean on her hand, look out the court courtyard like this, and talk to us. She's, you know, we're sitting out there, right? But she's talking to us. And she said, you know, of course we have to put you kids in school. Did you ever think what we would do with all you kids? If we didn't put you in school, and I thought, "Aha, that's why I'm here. this is a giant park I'm useless i I can't do any I can't help my, i can't I can't help change a tire. Mm-hmm. I can't learn carpentry right. I can't do anything. so this useless teenager here puts you in this grand parking lot for for bodies mm-hmm. and that's why you're here, and that was like I said, I learned something in school that day <laughs> yeah, well that I mean that. It's sad because it's true. I mean, that, the
0: view of, of children is, I mean, they're, they're a nuisance. I mean, it's the point that you should probably murder them if you don't want to have them. Sure. And then that's, of course, the talking points of the pro aborts. We see that as, as, as evil. But that's the view. Well, yeah, they're a nuisance. So, you know, if you don't want them, don't have them. You know, if you get pregnant, kill them. And uh, when you do have them, yeah, I mean, you're better off sending them off to government school. Uh, for, you know, 13 years, uh, and so then when they graduate, you know, they can be a functioning member of society. Uh, no, actually, then you probably want to send them to, to another four years in college um, so they can get, get a job at least to pay off their debt. Well, no, they probably won't be able to get a job to pay off their debt because their education is probably fairly useless. All this just to, to make them better compliant for the state, and it is, it is a travesty. It is a, a shame. It is an indictment against anybody who claims to believe in biblical values and liberty, and conservative principles that we continue to support this government education system. I mean, it is, it, is, it is shameful. And I will not support any candidate who promotes this wicked, evil, useless system that steals money, forced taxation, debasing the currency, and then claims to be helping people. And it just creates a generation of mindless students who think that, well, if the state said it's okay, to murder the baby if the state said it's okay to mutilate uh, you know children then it must be okay and and the fact that we you know sit here and, and, and say and I've talked to politicians and can't and they say well well the government should I mean you shouldn't have like act- actual freedom to homeschool your kids like the government should should be involved in that the audacity to say well we we have the right to tell you what to do with your kids and you need to get our permission uh, to to do it is just I mean, it just shows how much we have been lulled into a state of socialism and statism and tyranny, and uh, it's sad. So, any, anything final you want to add? There, there's so much more we could say here. I mean, we—I we, think we've barely scratched the surface. Yeah, you want to see the stuff I didn't say? <laughs> I mean, just the the, the the money is just staggers the mind. The amount of money that is poured into the government education system, and it increases every year, basically. And it's, it's promoted as a, a, a great investment. And meanwhile, our society continues to spiral downhill. And when will we wake up and say, this is not the solution? This is not the solution. The government doing something that God never intended it to do is not the solution. It only causes more problems. So challenge your representatives. I mean, I challenge you first. If you are, are still involved in this system, get your kids out. I guarantee you, you can do a better job than the government school system. It's, even though there's some good people in the system, anything the government does, when it tries to take, take on these, the money is just, it's, it's wasted at an incredible rate. So final word, Joel, on this issue of socialism, this government
1: education system, and, and how to think about this. So there's this Jimmy Stewart movie uh, I think it's called the Virginia, I don't think it's called the Virginia, something, Virginia. Some, it has the word Virginia in it somewhere, right? And it's set during the time of the war between the states, and he's in Virginia, and the Confederate Army officers come around to his place and keep on harassing him about having his sons, he has sons, um, to join the Confederate cause, right? And he doesn't want to do it. And at one point they say to him, Mr. Whatever His Name Is in the movie, Virginia needs, needs all her sons, right? And he says, you know what? He says, uh, when these children were little, I didn't see the state coming around here with an extra <laughs> to feed them. Right? He says the word, to, to, to feed them, mm-hmm. right? Here's the thing. This is, this is why it's so pernicious. The child was born, right? Mom and dad. Feed them. Clothe him, change his diaper, wipe his nose, put up with the, with the crying at night. All, all this, it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. It is an absolute challenge. Uh, Upset your house. To figure out how to, t- how to handle this crying baby. Call your mother. The, the amount of time and effort it goes into a baby to grow it up, to, 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 to become to an age where the, the child can be educated and learn, Right? And the state has the audacity to come and say what well, you know what you all did all that hard work you know we'll take over from here because we know better mm-hmm. you fraudulent hypocritical people you where were you when that baby was crying keeping everybody up all night mm-hmm. now not then, but we'll educate them now we'll take over thank you very much because we know it's horrible yeah and i think that that's a good final word and there's little
0: there's a lot not many things more uh, maddening than, than than this that we live in and and the the hypocrisy and the blindness to say, well, yeah, this is a a free society should should force you to pay for anti-Christian education that leads to wicked, wicked things in our society. So I hope you consider this. I hope this was helpful. Uh, We'll probably address this again, maybe not a full episode, but as things come up, there's no practice that I know of in our society that's more socialistic than this, and yet this is what's endorsed by democrats and republicans full steam ahead keep spending the money keep taxing the people you know and keep just spiraling us into an abyss of immorality and uh, illiteracy really but uh there's good news there's another option the option is to instead of obeying the state idea of they own your children to follow god's word and to teach your children god's word to educate them in godly principles and to teach them how to live actually in this world and not just how to obey the state. So that's it for today. I want to thank you for listening to the Lancaster Patriot podcast. Go to our website, thelancasterpatriot.com. For more, subscribe to our newspaper. It's delivered once a week right to your house. Again, Joel Saint here. He's the pastor at Independence Reformed Bible Church, also the executive director of the Mid-Atlantic Reformation Society. For more information on that, go to midatlanticreformation.org. Conference coming up, futureofchristendom.org. So check that out. Until next time, remember that Christ, not man, is king, and no person, institution, or civil magistrate has the authority to disregard his law. Until next time, God bless.